How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's episode is going to focus on a challenging scenario that plagues all of us, which is how do you deal with an employee who lacks self-awareness? Now, we've all been there, and I'm sure we've seen that time and time again. So I threw this question out there to a group of managers that attend one of my programs called the Coach's Jam Session, and you'll hear us talk about, well, what does this look like? How do I even define it? What are the best practices and techniques on how to approach managing an employee like this? So take a listen, and I'll come back at the end to summarize a few key takeaways for you. Here's today's topic. This came in from when I sent out the original question of what we'd like to get out of this and topics. This was one of the questions that, that was sent in. It's a scenario that I am sure you're all quite familiar with. How do you effectively lead and manage someone with a low degree of self-awareness? Right? Probably one of the most challenging scenarios out there. Now, here's the thing. First, I'd like to just talk about what does this look like? What are the things that come to mind? They play their cards close to their best. They don't tell other people things that other people need to know. Okay. Not good. Own up to their mistakes. All right. So that's a big one, right? They don't own, own up to their mistakes. Right. Who else? So I may be biased because uh, I've had this situation in sales. I think a lot of us are sales managers, but they their communication is not good. They don't take cues well, the person they're talking to or the group they're talking to, mm-hmm. and even in sales calls. Yeah, they're not good listeners, right? Or, or they don't read the room or people well, for sure. Yep. Kevin, were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, of course, it slipped my mind. I think they just don't recognize they've made a mistake right? A lot of times because they're just not aware that maybe they have that a lack of somewhat of emotional intelligence. They've just steamrolled somebody. They didn't even see it because that's just not what they're focused on. Yeah. Excellent point. Niraj? I was just going to throw in there um, maybe just a gut check of where they're at developmentally or where they're not developmentally, maybe professionally or personally as as an indication that uh, they start asking the questions why is it this way or what am I not doing? Like going in and actually actively pursuing answers versus not asking. Very good. So yeah, right. And and I'm going to come back to that. It's a good point, Naraj. It's kind of how we're going to define a, a couple buckets of, of self-awareness. Yeah. Rich, did you have something? Yeah. Yeah. I, found, I find with, with these folks um, more times than not, they feel their competencies are probably, they think they're more advanced than, than they yes. really demonstrate. And that's a really difficult conversation, right? Because the self-reflection aspect isn't there as much as it probably should be. So yeah, it's tough, to, to, tough to coach that, right? Oh, so hard to coach, right? They think they're better than what they really are, right? Their skills, their performance is much better in their mind. So excellent. I think we all captured the majority of the, the ones that come up here. Somebody made a little bit of a, a connection to emotional intelligence. There is the emotional side of this, of this too. Right. And so we've talked about this, right? Uh, unwilling to acknowledge mistakes. They make excuses for their failures. At times, they can shut people down, right? Depending on their approach, they criticize others. Rich, this is what you were talking about inflated opinions of themselves. There is part of this when you go a little bit deeper, they do struggle with controlling their emotions, whether it's anger, sadness, you know, they might be scared or there's some insecurity masked around that 
that lack of self-awareness too. So there is some, some psychology that gets into this. And sometimes it could be just unresolved issues or conflict within their lives, right? That, that could be going on behind the scenes. So it's important to kind of just understand the totality of it all when we're looking at self-awareness, right? And we, here's how we define you know, self-awareness. Being self-aware, the ability to accurately recognize emotions, it's a big piece of it, our thoughts and values and how our behavior impacts others. And the other piece of it too is, because we talk about this in terms of, as somebody mentioned it, development, uh, I think Niraj did, right? The ability to, to even look inward and accurately assess one own, uh, you know, one own strength and limitations around that, right? And having that growth mindset. So how do we approach managing these types of scenarios? First, you really have to ask the question, are you truly dealing with someone who lacks self-awareness or is it something else? What do you think I mean by something else? If it's not self-awareness, what might it be? Could be something that they're experiencing in life, you know? I mean, oh, could something, be something they're experiencing in life. Something, yeah, external it, that's really causing that. Manifesting it, yeah, right? Nancy? I was gonna say exactly what Denise said. It could be a stress in their life. We've been very cognizant of that as we've been in COVID and Canada's been locked down a long time. People have been do, behaving differently than they ever have. The other thing I was gonna say is, Self-awareness can be tied very closely to self-regulation. I don't know if they have a regulation issue too, but like that's not being able to control their emotions is bad as well. Yeah, yeah it gets back to the emotional side of it, right? The emotions. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Niraj and then Jim. Uh, Rob, just real quick. I think um, there's an instance where it's just lack of accountability. They think it's not them, it's you. Ah, it could be, right? Maybe it's just more of a, of a interpersonal conflict between you and them. So I think it, it also could be uh, their, their insecurity that, that maybe they don't know they're out of their comfort zone. They know exactly what they're doing, but it's a way to shift or, or hide that insecurity. Um, and it's not necessarily an awareness issue. It's just they're out of their comfort zone and, and they're disruptive. Mm, okay. Very good. Yep. Could be that you just have a completely different communication style. Could be that you don't trust each other. It could be some other things like that, I suppose. There are two things right there that are are very important, right? It could be just it, there's a trust issue. It might have nothing to do with self-awareness. It just could be there's a trust issue. Or just complete different styles. James, and then we'll go to Nancy. Yeah, I was going to say potentially some historical baggage. Terrible management reporting relationships in the past that they just couldn't shake going into new roles or, you know, roles that you might have today. So um, they may have a wall up sometimes and the lack of self-awareness there is not knowing what that does and how that affects others that they're interacting with in their new role. Yeah. Right. could have been scarred. I mean, how many employees have been traumatized, right. By unfortunately bad managers. And then, you know, they just come to the table with, with their guard up and yeah, that's excellent point. Nancy. I thought about, and I don't know if this completely applies, but you could be working off two different sets of expectations on kind of how that your relationship is going to go with this person. I mean, lack of self-awareness will show up in many ways, but it often shows up kind of in a feedback scenario as well. Right. So ensuring you have the same, like the same expectations and ground rules would be important. Excellent. So that's the other big one that comes up too. I mean, everything everybody said is, is 100% valid and probably need to update my list based on that. So we talked about lack of trust, incompatible communication styles, interpersonal conflict due to different views on priorities, right? Nancy, it's kind of what you were talking about. 
values or beliefs, et cetera, right? So it may not actually be a true self-awareness scenario. It could be one of these things or some of the other things that, that were mentioned. And to help us at times, I mean, look, this is the hard question that, that we as managers sometimes, you know, either forget or we struggle with. Asking the question, is it me, perhaps? Do I, am I not seeing this the right way? Maybe it is something else and I'm just blinded by it. I'm too close to it, perhaps. So getting validation by other managers is key with that. I do think that is an important step that you do have to take just to make sure. And usually when you have somebody who is truly lacks self-awareness, usually you kind of, it's not just you seeing it. There are others that are either bringing it to your attention. Uh, and then you kind of know there's, it's not just you as well. That makes sense. So then the question becomes, all right, well, you have to kind of then figure out if it is self-awareness, what type of person are you dealing with? Because there's actually two types when it comes to self-awareness. There's a type that is just unaware, right? They truly lack that self-awareness. And for whatever reason, they're just not able to see it. But then there's the other one. There's the type that are completely aware, but just don't care. They just don't care. And oftentimes we mistakenly say, well, they lack self-awareness. No, not really. They know exactly how they show up and they truly just don't care. And I've coached a few people like this that have said, I know this is, I come across this way and abrasive, but why do I need to change? I'm successful at what I'm doing. Why should I change? So they may not care or they may not be able to control themselves either. Like they may be t- be told there might be, a sh- like, you know, this is the way you, you're perceived or this and that. And I've been in this scenario where the person really just, it's behavior that they cannot change. Like, you know, it's so ingrained. I've seen that before too. Yeah, I mean, it's true, right? It's just, they've, particularly when they've never, perhaps never have been coached to it, right? And have been successful, even, even maybe been promoted, why would they change? Now all of a sudden you're coming in and why should they believe you? Yeah, so it's an excellent point. I've, I've dealt with the unaware unsuccessfully. Okay. Um, and I think Jim Lajanes has heard this story and probably Jen, but had one person who was just so disconnected, uh, didn't see how other people perceived him. So I did a, a 360 sort of survey on competencies. That, that included him and everybody around him that he works with. And, and the, the, the ratings from everybody he worked with were so low compared to his own rating of himself, which were so high. I said, look at, I mean, you could, I could show him the graph that showed how far apart they are and that the per, people's perception of you are so incredibly different than your own perception of yourself. What do you think of that? He said, well, if I had known that was their perception, I'd have rated myself lower. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> you know, you'd have rated yourself lower to match their perceptions of you. Okay. If I can say, it sounds like he has a real lack of authenticity, potentially. Like, I mean, to, to try and rate himself to match, like that. the purpose of rating yourself is to rate yourself the way you see yourself, right? Yeah, I was just going to comment on Paul's example because um, it just, it, it made me chuckle because the focus was on the wrong thing, right? The focus was, well, oh, I guess I should have just aligned with them on the ratings. It had nothing to do with whether or not they aligned. The point is they were so different. There's some blind spots there to develop in, right? And 
that's again, that self-reflection piece is just not there, right? It's just an amazing, it's such a good example. Um, and then the other comment I wanted to make uh, regarding the aware and doesn't care, that, that to me is really, I struggle with that a lot. Right? Oh, wow. um, because they may be doing things that ultimately they can't lose their job over, right? They're just not, a, not very successful, right? But they're kind of just floating along, right? And mm -hmm. that's a really tough situation yeah. to be in as a leader because you have someone you, you know is not great, right? They're okay. They could be a lot better, but they just don't care. <laughs> you know, Rich, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Rich. I, and I've seen that. And I, I feel like part of it is also because other and leaders, other leaders continue to enable it yeah. and allow it to happen. You know, for, for that person who, who reports directly to you, but when there's other leaders around that are either doing the same thing or acting in the same way, they let it fly then it's even tougher to continue to try to coach to that because now you've got others that are displaying similar behavior, unwanted behavior, and then it's just, it's an uphill battle from there. Well, uh, James, you bring up a point. It's a very difficult conversation to, to begin that topic of you're very unaware of what how you're impacting others. Mm -hmm. And most people, 95% of the people don't want to have that conversation and we'll just pass it on to the next person. So that unawareness just keeps building on from one leader to the next. And then they go, well, what do you mean? No one's ever told me this before. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got a culture that is just <laughs> exactly. out of control. I had a couple of comments because Paul, you kind of sparked something in me because I actually called Rob yesterday to talk about 360s. And I think you know, with, with what you spoke about, like though that's the fatal flaw. Like, you know, when you go through kind of a, a 360 and you think about fatal flaws and career derailment, like this person's got to see that potentially your career can be over at any time because you do not see yourself the same way your peers do. Oh. So it triggered my fatal flaw conversation that I wanted to have with Rob yesterday. And then thinking about <laughs> high performers and how much they care. I did have someone who was a very high performer on my sales team, and she definitely was very unaware of numerous things. And, and I told her, I said, I really need to give you some honest feedback. And she had never heard it. She, I mean, she, her eyes welled up in tears and said, nobody has ever told me this. And, and she'd been in sales for years, very high performer, but turned off a majority of her team in the way that she wow. acted on calls and her intensity. And, and she thought it was like, I'm just a really hard worker. And really, it just came off as everybody thought she was like the bull in a china shop. And she's like, I've never been coached on this. She's been in sales for probably 15 years. Wow. That, that actually happens more time than, than we think it does. I mean, just think of what we were just talking about. And James talked about this, how that behavior sometimes is enabled or just gets passed around. Nothing's ever said. That's what we're talking about. Before you know it, somebody's walking around and, and unaware, but maybe would be more than willing to accept it if they were actually told about it. That is the first step, right? You have to have the conversation. That is the first step. And not just dance around it. You have to have the conversation. And... All too many times that conversation is never had. Rich? Yeah, I just want to comment on that and what James and Kevin had said, because when you do bring it up and you're direct and they come back with, with well, this is the first I'm hearing of it. It, it must be you, not me. You know, it's that validation piece that you were talking about earlier, Rob, is so important before the conversation and after, right? That, hey, is it me or is it them? You know, take, you know, take a few peers, a few colleagues through the scenario so that, 
you know, you have some backup, right? You have some validation that you mentioned because in the, in the experience that I've had with some of these folks and having those direct conversations, they, sometimes they do go sideways where they blame it on, you know, on the person that the first time they brought it up, right? And it has to be you, not me. So, Well, that begs the next the next question, because we're now getting into how do we handle these, right? The techniques, right? The 360 is definitely one technique that's on the list, right? So, and, and, and we'll come back to that. But to Rich's point, the first step is having the conversation. You gotta have the conversation first, right? Now, you may come across where this scenario of, of they're not gonna wanna hear it from you, right? They're resistant. Right? What do we do with that? Yes, Nancy. I think it goes back to, like if you have a team that maybe you need to set an expectation to the team that feedback is necessary and welcome, like it's part of our culture, right? And they, they can be allowed to give me feedback uh, and I'll listen. And, and, and the, you know, feedback is just part of our two-way street. It's part of the, the role so that it doesn't come across maybe as threatening that it's going to be with everyone. It's going to be mm -hmm. two ways and it makes us all better. Like that might even require some training or some like special thing to do, but I think it needs to be just part of the fabric of the team, you know? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nancy. Cause we just went through that a few months ago in our course. Yeah. <laughs> Setting up those expectations right out of the gate and you take yeah. over a team. Very good. For sure. Right. You have to kind of set that tone right out of the gate. Great. Rich, you got something? Yeah. I couldn't agree more that setting expectations allows you to set up if someone's not meeting those expectations, having that discussion and being able to go back and say, Hey, we talked about this at the beginning, you know, so I couldn't agree more. It's so important. Yeah. It does help. Right. When you have to go back. I mean, every team I took over, uh, over the years, first meeting with them, let them know what they can expect from me. And the first thing I said was, I'm here to coach you. I'm here to help you develop, coach you. And that includes getting feedback to help you achieve your goals and help you get better, to develop your skills. What else can you do? Yes, Denise? It's just a matter of um, sometimes the word choice. I think, you know, the gift of feedback. I mean, I have definitely set that expectation from the beginning. Feedback's a gift. I welcome it. I want it as part of my development. And I an anticipate that as part of your development, you know, you should expect me to give you feedback as well. So that's a great technique, right? Sometimes in terms of just disarming your employee, maybe by sharing how you one time received feedback, that maybe there was an area that, you know, you were lacking, that you weren't aware of, and somebody, even though it might have been difficult to hear, it really helped you to learn and grow, mm -hmm. right? So maybe putting it on yourself as an example will help that. Yep. Excellent. Rich? Yeah, I think another piece of this is maybe maybe having to explain where you're coming from, that you're coming from a good place, that you care care about them, and look, you want them to succeed. And that's that's why I'm having this conversation with you. I could just let it go. You know, we can keep on, but I really, you know, we talked about coaching, just like you said, we want, we want I want to see you get better. So I think that's really important. They have to understand that you care about them and that you're coming from a good place. That's, I, I agree with Kevin. It's, it's really the trust and that psychological safety that you have within your team that they know that they're, you're telling them this because you want them to succeed. And, and you're, it, it's a partnership. Um, and in a two-way street, like Denise said, I mean, all of that gets said up front when you're really launching your team and kind of forming, storming, and norming. Mm -hmm. But I do think like the trust really helps with regards to being able to receive sometimes some really difficult coaching. 
Agree 100 percent. Like, I, I think it's really important that they that it's known, just like, you know, both Rich and Jen have said that. And I say this with my own team that, I'm, you know, I, I haven't been with a year yet, but it's my job is really to make them successful. Like that is my job. So if they really believe that and, and trust me, it will just come across and, and they'll be able to receive it. And I think, you know, in sales, I mean, I, I'm sure if we're all sales managers, you've been in the sales role, like back in the day, we used to get videotaped and we'd point at all the mistakes, you know, so it's just part of the jet, like, you know, you don't see yourself the way others see you. So it's a way we learn and grow, you know, and get better. My videotape is on like a, a VHS, like a, I, I, I need a VCR, but I don't have a VCR. So. I have a session with our videotapes and coach too. Oh, oh my God. God. That'd be hilarious. So I, I think it's also dependent upon how consistent you are with feedback, right? Uh-huh. If you're having this conversation and they've not really had a conversation with you, ever received feedback from you, and all of a sudden you're like, we've got to have a conversation, right? Like it, the alarm bells go off. But if mm-hmm. it's a consistent theme of, of feedback and you do it in a way in a setting that's familiar to them and consistent, I, I, it, it changes the reception, in my opinion. If you're consistent with feedback across all areas of how you operate with your team. I think that really matters. And that develops that trust piece. And and so once that trust is there and they know, like Nancy said, that you have their best interest at heart and they trust it, then it does get received differently than if you're not really having these conversations, all of a sudden you buck up and I'm like, we're here to have a talk today. You're like, whoa, cowboy, slow down. (laughs) It puts people off, alarm bells all going off real quick. Very true. Kevin, I think that's such a great point and also ties in whether our last topic, engaging people in the virtual setting. You know, I've read time and time again that um, we have to increase our engagement level to almost where, you know, it's daily, but it doesn't feel like you're checking on them. It's like you're checking in and you're supporting them. And if you do the opposite, so the only time you check in is that once a quarter or during mid-year or year-end, um, you may be losing some of that impact the way you described. The consistency piece is is important to highlight once you've had that discussion, and hopefully it starts to set in a little bit. But in order for it to truly stick, that's when that consistency has to take place, right? Unfortunately, I've come across too many times where, well, I've gave them feedback and that was it. Right. I mean, rarely is somebody going to change who truly falls into that bucket of, of, you know, they lack that self-awareness and unaware. That consistency piece has to be there because that change doesn't happen overnight. That applies to all of us. Right. If, if we're used to operating or thinking in a certain manner for years and years, you can't change that overnight. And I think that's important to realize that that's the other piece of it. We have to be aware that this isn't going to change overnight. It's going to be a process. You're in it for the long haul to some degree. It can be a very long, you have to be committed right. to wanting to help them change it too, right? Because right. they may not want to change, but you also have to buy into that. Like, okay, can I help this person become better at what they're doing? And if that's our goal mm-hmm. as leaders to help them and be the best they can be, then you can, but it, is, it can be a long, arduous process. The question of, can they change? Can I help them change? is a question that you're gonna have to get an answer to at one point or another, usually sooner in the process, right? And I think the other thing that it's important to remember too, and going back to what Rich says, you know, struggling of the unaware and and the individuals that just don't care, there's degrees of that in terms of, you know, if somebody doesn't care, well, are they detrimental to the team? What is it that they're doing? Or is it a matter of, 
they are they're a good performer. There's probably areas that they can just be a little bit better at. I don't know, you know, versus somebody who's truly detrimental or truly exhibiting behaviors that's mm -hmm. impacting others. To me, that's easy. If they don't care, they're not going to be around too much longer. The data also suggests that in these in these unaware individuals, and I think in that case, there are individuals that genuinely do want to improve, do want to get even a little bit better, or just don't know how to get there, or for whatever reasons is 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 stopping them from wanting to acknowledge it. And and I think that's where it goes back to some of these techniques we're talking about, right? And so first is having the conversation. The trust factor is a huge piece of this. I've had individuals that I knew earlier on managing them, I would have never have been able to get them to see what they needed to see. So timing becomes very important. So this is another strategy, another technique, is the timing of the feedback. And sometimes you just need to be a little bit more patient to make sure you have the conditions that are set that are gonna give you the advantage you need. For example, I might wait a little bit longer to build more trust that will open up the door a little bit longer. And I might specifically spend a lot of time looking for opportunities to signal to them that I do have their best interest at heart, then come in with some of the, the more, you know, harder discussions that, that needs to happen, unless it's something that needs to happen earlier, right? So it all depends on the severity of, of what we're talking about. When you think about building your team and kind of that initial kind of like operating principles, those are some of the questions I would ask how do you like to receive feedback? You know, hmm. how do you like to see recognition? Because if you're an introvert and extrovert, it's very different. Some people need to have be prepared for the conversation. Others are on the fly is very okay. So I agree with the trust and the timing, but I think also understanding how do you like to get feedback, you know, and, and really understanding and then individualizing it so that you can really show that, you know, I respect you and your style and I would hope you would do the same for me. Excellent point. Gets back to stylistic, right? Different styles, the way we, mm -hmm. we want to receive feedback. The other thing with timing too is sometimes you can't just, just give that feedback out of the blue, right? You have to wait for the right opportunity when another event happens. And trust me, it will happen somewhere along the way because they're consistent with that. Whatever it is that we're talking about in the moment is so much more better, right? Because then somebody was talking about this, well, this is just your opinion, right? You kind of take a little bit of that off the table when it's so closely to the event that, that it happened. I think if you're going to have these conversations either after that event or you have to have really solid concrete examples and not just one, maybe two or three to say, hey, look, here's an example. Here's another one. Did you see this? And then you start to develop, okay, are you seeing this number one? But if you don't have examples and you're just saying, hey, you're just not aware well, then it means nothing. So I think mm -hmm. either in the moment when something happens or, you know, you might collect a few examples to then provide that feedback as to here's example A, example B, and then work through those. Yep. Right. The other technique too is you might not be the right person to deliver it. Think about that, right? Yes, we're the manager, but maybe there's somebody better. Maybe there's a better venue, a better resource to help bring that self-awareness. 
<laughs> I love leveraging that strategy of, of bringing in others. I think we talked about it even on the first, the first session, right? Where who can we leverage to help us move someone from point A to point B? Here's an example of, and this is, a, this is an analogy I use. You might have heard me talk about this, the bookend analogy. When you have a book on a bookshelf that isn't sturdy enough and you have a, a bookend on one side of it, it still may not be sturdy enough to stand on its own. So you bring in another bookend on the other side of it, right? I've used that uh, technique in terms of helping to stabilize the feedback I'm given by utilizing another resource, another manager. And in fact, I've been used in that scenario several times. I remember vividly one time uh, where a manager asked me mm. to provide some mentoring to somebody. And while I was working with that individual, I was basically saying similar things that the manager was just differently. And I did observe and see what the manager was seeing. And because I was reinforcing it, but it was coming from somebody else, it no longer was, well, I guess this isn't just my manager's opinion or view. Now they're hearing it from another very credible, right? So you also need to use somebody who is of credibility that you know uh, will also stand the test. And that actually worked very well. And I've, and I've done that a few times and I've been used in that capacity a few times. And here's another technique too. I'm gonna piggyback on what Kevin was saying, you know, using some concrete examples. Sometimes I might have two events, two examples in my mind, and then the third one happens. And now I am going to give that feedback, knowing that they'll probably say, well, it was just a one-time thing. Oh, by the way, let's kind of, let's just reflect back. There was this and that. I didn't say anything because could it just been, you know, a one-time thing, but there seems to be a pattern. Do you see that now? And if they still don't agree, I do then at times go to a 360 when I need to. And I will say, well, let's do a 360. If you truly don't think this, then I'm sure you'd be willing to get some feedback from your peers confidentially and see where it goes. You are the Rob father. <laughs> <He's brutal. laughs> All right. So, so behind that, there is a, there's also a test, right? That'll, that'll give me validation of, are you in this or not? Right. Right. That's kind of like the last piece of it. And then when you get a scenario like Paul opened up with, they're not even looking at the right intent behind it. Well then, that gives me all the information. I did all I can at that point. All right. First of all, a big shout out to the managers who are participating in that workshop and their willingness to share their perspectives. So now let's summarize a few key takeaways for you. First and foremost, step number one, you need to figure out, are you truly dealing with somebody who lacks self-awareness or is it something different? Is it something else? Maybe it's just different communication styles. You might just be wired differently. Could be just different priorities, different beliefs, different values. There could be a few different reasons on what's going on and where you might be mistaking it for something else other than lack of self-awareness. So, which is why it's so important that you do need to validate your observations. You have to ask the hard question, is it me? Maybe I don't have this right. Which is why it's important to go out, get validation from others, other managers that can validate, are they seeing what you see? All right, so once you get that validation, then you have to figure out what type of person are you dealing with? Are they unaware or aware? There are those out there that they do know their behavior. They're just not willing to change. 
They don't care their change. They're unaware and they don't care. And step number three is figuring out which techniques you're going to use. First and foremost, you do have to have the conversation. You have to have the coaching discussion and give them that feedback. There are many scenarios where your employees have never received that feedback. And so this might be the first time they're hearing it. And then you're going to have those that certainly have heard it before, and you have to find other ways to get the message to sink in. We talked about timing. The importance of timing is is everything when it comes to giving that feedback around self-awareness and even using other resources. As we talked about, you might not be the best person to deliver that message. Another manager, you heard me talk about the bookend approach as well. It's very effective in terms of bringing some self-awareness. And the last thing I'll leave you with is even using leverage in terms of what motivates them. Maybe it's a promotion, some career opportunity, and tying it into that piece of it as well. And of course, we talked about using a 360, which also can be very effective if done the right way. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information on this topic, feel free to reach out. Please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Take care, and we'll see you on the next Leadership Jam session. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session podcast.